Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today is another AMA episode. That is, ask me anything. I love to answer your questions. If you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Adam from Riverside, California asks, Hi, Victor. What are your thoughts on rent control? Well, Adam, that is a great question. The question of rent control centers around the broader issue of affordable housing. The rate of increase of housing has been faster than wages over the last several years. This is particularly true in major markets where we've seen dramatic increases in real estate prices. Cities like Toronto, Vancouver, New York, San Francisco, LA are among some of the least affordable cities in North America, and I'm sure I've missed a number that are also not very affordable. Prices in Toronto stabilized last year after the government introduced new lending guidelines and an additional foreign buyer tax designed to cool off what many have perceived as an overheated market. And Toronto also introduced rent controls a little over a year ago. Still, the median price in Toronto for a single-family home is in excess of $1 million. It's not a very affordable city. New York City also has had rent controls in place for a long, long time. Rent-controlled buildings create a situation where those who happen to be fortunate enough to live in a rent-controlled apartment, they almost can never leave because they can never get into another apartment at that same price point. And so they're benefiting from paying a low rent, and the landlord is stuck with a tenant that is paying very low rent, far below market, for a long, long, long time. Investors who are stuck owning property that's now rent-controlled ultimately not going to choose to lose money voluntarily. The profit margins on rental properties are very thin under the best of circumstances. When combined with the constraint placed on them by the lenders, investors are assuming a lot of financial risk with very little potential upside, especially in a rent-controlled environment. No investor who knows how to use a calculator should ever make an investment that has a high chance of resulting in financial ruin. And yet, that's the environment that governments who advocate rent controls are creating. It'll win political points in the first year of implementation, but 10 years later, you have slum housing in first world cities. We've seen the movie, folks. We know the ending. See, if investors don't put new rental inventory in the market because it doesn't make economic sense, or if they decide to take rental stock out of the market because it's no longer economically viable, you're going to see rental inventory disappear from the market. That scarcity of rental property actually makes the rents go up because the supply-demand imbalance becomes more acute. Rent control is a well-intentioned but unfortunately misguided solution to the affordability problem by treating the symptom and not the root cause. It's like if you go to the doctor and you say, Doctor, I have a headache. The government steps in and says, we're going to solve your headache by controlling the price of Tylenol. Well, folks, headaches are not caused by lack of medication in the bloodstream. And controlling the price of Tylenol is not going to solve the headaches. It's not the root cause. Rents are too high because the land prices for those underlying properties are very expensive. It's not because the landlords are being greedy and charging way too much money and lining their pockets at the expense of residents. Governments simply cannot force investors to make investments that will result in losing money. And when rent controls are in place, existing buildings are going to experience deferred maintenance and new rental stock doesn't get built. The economics simply don't support the new investment. 
the reason properties aren't affordable has to do with the fundamentals of supply and demand. In a free market, when demand exceeds supply, prices go up. There's no shortage of inexpensive land, but if you want to live, say in Central Park West in Manhattan, the prices reflect the high demand to live in those specific areas. It's nobody's constitutional right to live on Central Park West at, say, under $1,000 a month. We've decided that we have a free market system for property. Unless we want to go to a controlled market where government controls the cost of land, we still have a free market system. If you're buying land at, say, $145 a square foot, as is very common all over Toronto, and then paying an additional $84,000 in development charges to the City of Toronto for each new single-family residence constructed, it's no surprise that the housing's not going to be very affordable. If, on the other hand, you're building on land, let's say, in the outskirts of Dallas at $5.50 a square foot and not paying any development charges or impact fees, housing's going to be much more affordable. Look, folks, a sheet of drywall costs $10 regardless of where you put it. It's $10 on Madison Avenue, and it's $10 in Pocatello, Idaho. There's nothing wrong with Pocatello, Idaho. It's a beautiful place, but it's less expensive than Manhattan. The solution to affordable housing is for governments to reclaim land near the urban core of major cities and make that land available for redevelopment at a very affordable rate. Virtually every city in North America has a band of real estate just outside the core of the downtown that's been neglected for 30 years. These are vast areas where the city could allow developers to make investments in affordable housing. The numbers would work because the cost basis of the land would make the development attractive for developers. If government creates the right incentives to make it attractive, you can create the right conditions. There's lots of different mechanisms that the cities can put in place to make housing more affordable if they have the political will to do so. Simply using rent controls to treat the symptom does not give the intended result. In the meantime, thanks for a great question, Adam. Have an awesome day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.